Letting go doesn't mean that you don't care about someone anymore. It's just realizing that the only person you really have control over is yourself. Deborah Reber. Bending Not Breaking, The Dragon Pod, Reflections. Welcome back to another episode of The Dragon Pod. This has been Pruitt, your host, and I am excited to talk about this, Reflections. Today we are talking, I'm referring to the individual one as with an S, the individual as the plural, but it's just one reflection we're talking about. Anyway, I, I digress. We're talking about this moment with Soren and strangers that everyone has been like frothing at the bit to get at. And I'm excited because we have a really, really fun guest to talk about this reflection with. But before we do, before we introduce our guest, I want to make sure to honor the author who wrote today's reflection. And without further ado, Joe Corcoran is the author of our reflection today, the author of Strangers. And I am just thrilled that we had an opportunity to read this work. Thank you, Joe. I also want to take some time to introduce the authors that I failed to read out and make sure you all were aware of for the past three episodes. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to them as well. First and foremost, we talked about After Darkness, and After Darkness was written by Eugene Ramos. Thank you, Eugene, for writing that. Next, we had Deep Below, written by Paige Van Tassel. Thank you, Paige. And then finally, uh, a prior guest on the podcast, and one of uh, the people I've enjoyed speaking to about the Dragon Prince, generally speaking, has been Michal Schick. And so, Michal, you wrote um, Lost Child, and thank you for writing that. Thank you for the gift <laughs> that is all of the angst that is in that story. Oh, my goodness. But, again, I want to just thank you all who are writing these and know that we as fans are really appreciative of all of the work that you do. And now, without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today. Avery is here and uses they, them pronouns and is a devout fan of the Dragon Prince. They're constantly thinking about cosplay and have cosplayed Rayla and is very excited to take on various other outfits from Rayla and we're excited to see them. They also create content on YouTube related to the Dragon Prince. Check that out. We'll share that at the end. Avery, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good. Greetings, fellow humans, human fellas. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this with you. There is so much going on here and man, it's going to be action packed. But before we get to the content, I would love to know just a little bit more about you. So we kind of know that you are a massive Dragon Prince fan based off of your, your short bio, but tell us a little bit more about you. What makes you you? What makes you human? Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, so I am a fashion design student currently outside of what I do for work, which is I work in childcare. But um, I started 
going to school for fashion and costume design because I fell in love with it through cosplay. And hilariously enough, one of the biggest reasons I got into cosplay was because I wanted to cosplay Rayla. So uh, you can slightly blame TDP for my future career paths. But um, outside of content creation and school and all that, I love to read. I love to just sink into the world of fantasy and I just love getting to find worlds to be a part of and I also am a music writer or at least I try to be that's amazing so I also love fantasy so tell me some of your favorite worlds to jump into aside from the dragon prince um some of my favorite other fantasy worlds uh ruby is definitely a big one that's how I got most of my youtube following there from reacting to ruby um i love all of studio ghibli just all of their movies i could turn that i could turn on a studio ghibli movie and just zone out for two hours um i love i love fire emblem that's a really good series i love rpgs i'm currently uh playing through final fantasy 10 and i'm loving it Ooh, have uh, you played it before? That, no this is oh my, my first time playing gosh. 10. I've only played seven I, before. I love 10. It makes me laugh. It made me cry. I loved it. Shameless plug. I'm posting that on my YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's incredible. No, I, oh my God. I play it. I replay it. I'm, I'm like, I'm loving it so far, but I'm wondering how they breathe for so long underwater. Oh, you just have to get over that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I legit, while watching season five, I was just like, are we going to have like Final Fantasy X moment where I'm just like, how are they breathing? Yep. Some things we never learn. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I don't know. I, I went into that game pretty much completely blind. People were just like, you don't know the ending of Final Fantasy X? And I was just like, no, I've apparently been under a rock. Yeah. Oh man, I remember the first time I did that. I used to play these games, these role-playing games. Like these are single player games. I used to play them with my friends and we'd all like take turns playing this game and watching each other play the game. That and was I remember, me and my brother playing Paper Mario. Yeah, I remember the first time I beat 10. I was with my my three buddies and we all just were crying watching the ending. <laughs> oh no, um, I guess I gotta be prepared. Yeah, I mean, I had also spent hundreds of hours playing this game ahead of that. So I had a lot of emotional investment. Oh man. Well, this is a Dragon Prince podcast. And so I'm yeah, really- we gotta, <laughs> we gotta leave the other water people alone. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, we've gotten a little bit to know you. You've kind of given us a little bit about your relationship with the Dragon Prince. And uh, tell me, when did you find the Dragon Prince? Were you an early adopter? What what was your deal? How did you find it? When did you find it? I was a pre-season one fan, actually. I saw the trailer uploaded on YouTube and I clicked on it and I watched it and I was just like, this looks good. I'll watch it when it comes out. And then I watched it when it came out and I was just like, well, I found my personality for the rest of my life. (laughs) <laughs> I've found my personality. Oh, I man. I haven't been very talkative in the fandom until season four because uh, I, uh, best way to put it, I am scared of, I've been scared of talking to people about my nerdiness because high school yeah. was not a fun time for me. Totally but good. when season four was a, when season four got 
all of its announcement stuff starting to come out in 2022, I was just like, you know what? I'll start, I'll start being more active. So I started posting more online and I ended up finding some amazing friends through this server. And I've managed to talk to some of the cast and crew now, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. I, the first time I had like responses from cast and crew for the podcast, I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. (laughs) Um, and now I like, it feels like some of them are just my friends at this point. Like, (laughs) Uh, I fairly often now I once had a 20 minute conversation with Jason about veggie tales yeah Jason's awesome like he he makes everyone feel like they're the center of the universe while he's talking to them he's like a giant teddy bear physically and mentally yeah he's amazing because I brought up at one point, I was just like, I feel like the theme song of the Mage Fam in season five is the pirates who don't do anything from Veggie Tales. And he was just like, <laughs> You've watched Veggie Tales? And I was just like, Heck yeah, I've watched Veggie Tales. So we had a 20 minute conversation about Veggie Tales. Amazing. Yeah. So if y'all haven't heard any of the conversations with uh, Jason on the podcast, I highly, highly recommend going to check those out. Not because I was cool, but because Jason did all of the heavy lifting. And <laughs> those episodes he's a professional. Really yeah, he's a, he's a wonderful human being. First time I ever spoke to him, he joined in a Discord call. And I was, uh, I was reading... I do a Rayla impression. I was reading Dear Callum in my Rayla impression. Oh my god. And gosh. at the end of it, I heard him say, that was really good. And then you just heard me scream, oh sh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Man, and I need Ben to was there too. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Oh god. Ben's, Ben's also a sweetie. He yes. Absolutely. Ben joins oh. in Discord calls all the time and we don't realize he's there. <laughs> just to listen. <laughs> yeah, he'll just be we'll just be like. Wait, hi, Ben. And he'll just be like, hey. <laughs> Man, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a punny way to get us into this uh, lens that you've chosen for us. Um, and I guess I'll just have to accept that I can't. <laughs> but um, The only joke I, I have uh, is just, the only joke I have is a bad Callum joke. I mean, all the bad jokes are welcome. Yeah, we gotta, uh, we gotta... We got to learn acceptance like Callum accepted his girlfriend left him. All of my jokes are bad Rayla leaving jokes. Well, that's where the dark humor is, y'all. You heard, yeah. it here. you heard it here. So you've named it. We are talking about acceptance today as we talk about this reflection called Strangers written by our friend Joe. Um, but tell me why and how did this lens come up for you as we were discussing various lenses? Why, why this one? Well, um, for starters, my original lens was longing, but that was hilariously enough taken by Claudia's short story. Can't help it, you know. So the siblings are just going through it together. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want us to have to go through the same lens twice. So I read through the story a few more times and I kind of realized that not only in this short story, but throughout seasons four and five, and even in the first three seasons a little bit, but more so in the mystery of Erebos arc, acceptance has really been a major theme throughout these two seasons. And we've also seen them in the short stories. And we see it a lot, mainly with Soren 
because uh, I mean, we see Viren a bit in this short story, but it's mainly Soren accepting that things really just can't go back to the way things were when he was a child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, you could easily just verbatim swap Soren and Claudia too, because that's all of what Claudia's short story was about was this thinking about what used to be and like it was thinking about mom thinking about you know really her relationship with Viren and wanting it to go back to the way it was and trying to get him to use dark magic and that was that's in this story right it's this idea of wanting people to to be who we who they used to be to us and realizing that people change but not willing to accept that change um yeah. Soren wants the Viren from 10 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Claudia wants the Viren from two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it's fascinating to think about. I mean, honestly, in this one, it feels like Soren doesn't want Viren at all. But um, at this point, he's just like, <laughs> go away, old man. Yeah. So w- let's contextualize this just a little bit for, for us. Um what does acceptance mean for you? What What is acceptance? So for me, acceptance, it's not just blindly saying this is the way things are. That's, I, I feel like that's, I mean, that is a type of acceptance, but that's not really the uh, acceptance that I believe is true acceptance. Acceptance is acknowledgement of the way things are, but you don't have to like it. Hmm. I can just blindly going with it isn't really acceptance, just saying, I don't like that this is the way things are, but like that is the way things are. Cause yeah. Soren definitely doesn't like that he doesn't have a relationship with his father anymore, but he's just like, that's sadly the way things have to be now. Yeah. I think one of the things where I get tripped up sometimes is acceptance being conflated with forgiveness exactly and that those two things are very different right it's um to accept something is true does not mean that you also forgive them for that truth right and i i think we see that with soren right we we, we see that he has a certain image of Viren that he has kind of accepted who Viren has become, um, even if his understanding of Viren is a little misconstrued at this at this point. But there, that acceptance of that fact does not mean that he also is like, and now you're forgiven for that because I've accepted it. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh, there are. Uh, I've had. I mean, I mentioned before, high school was not a good time for me. I had a lot of people do a lot of really bad things to me in high school. And I've accepted that it's a part of my high school experience. I've accepted that one of those things is going to follow me for probably the rest of my life, sadly, because it's on the internet. But I've accepted that that's a part of my life, but I have not forgiven most of them because they've it caused a lot of real pain. Yeah. There's also a, a, when I think about acceptance and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, um, I think about the riddle homophobia scale. Are you familiar with that? Uh, yes. Yes, I, yes, I am. 
the reason I lift it up is because the riddle scale places acceptance on the homophobic side of the scale. So it's a scale from one to eight, one through four are uh, certain levels of attitude, um, beginning with repulsion, pity, tolerance, and acceptance. And those are on the spectrum of homophobic, whereas positive levels of attitude are support, admiration, appreciation, and then nurturance being the uh, height of the scale. And I find it really compelling for me because I think about like the, the phrase, I accept you. It implies that there is something that needs accepting in the first place. Um, but at the same time, there is something that's really healing about acceptance and being accepted, even with the fault. And it's one of those things where there are certain things that where, where acceptance doesn't feel adequate or enough. And then there are certain times where acceptance feels like that's the end, right? I, this is the furthest I'm willing to go. And it's really interesting to think about because acceptance is hard. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I live in a, I live in a very conservative area. So a lot of times acceptance is the farthest what people are willing to go yeah. when it comes to uh, queer people. And sadly, that is something I've had to accept. And that's why, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm more quiet, but mm -hmm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people that do support and admire and appreciate Absolutely. and nurture just sadly, because of the, because of the amount of people that will only say, I accept you. People think that that's the farthest they need to go because they're just like, oh, well, they're saying that they accept you. They're not trying to burn us all. Yeah. Well, it's so hard because the, the way you phrase that I, I like is kind of interesting, right? You said, I have had to accept that the furthest they're willing to go is acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it's, there's this two-way acceptance that is necessary, right? And it's really interesting to think about what that means and what that implies, right? Acceptance is not just something we do for ourselves, when, when that acceptance is made external, what that does is it puts it on someone else to have to deal with the consequence. And for you, that led to like, okay, I have to accept this. I'm not going to nurture this. I'm not going to support the fact that they accept me for, or, you know, my friends or whomever, my community, but I am going to accept it because that is, that sucks, but it's the best I'm going to get. And it's this weird, weird thing of, acceptance implies like this is not the best it could be but it's the best I think I can get yeah. is I think what acceptance often comes down to right am I does that it's, ring resonate for you yeah I absolutely agree with you there's I mean it's a sad thing that life will sometimes suck and accepting that life sometimes sucks is a really hard thing to do and again you don't have to like it because acceptance you don't have to like that you accept something but accepting it ac accepting it is a part of life yeah because there's yeah. accepting things just being like oh la di da this is part of life that's that's not really accepting it that's ignoring the problem 
Yeah, which is also bad. <laughs> yeah. So um, like, don't ignore that there is that negativity, but don't ignore the negativity, but you have to accept that the negativity is there. Yeah. And then what I find, like, and this might, this is a, probably a good segue to go into the content of the reflection because this begs the question then, when is acceptance problematic? When has acceptance become a, um, you should not have accepted that. You should have striven for more. You should have worked harder. You should have fought harder. You should have done X, Y, or Z to do better, to make sure that the world would be better, right? There's a lot of argument for saying like, no, how dare you accept that? That acceptance is not okay here. And what we see is that Soren, right at the beginning it, like his wrists are rubbed raw. He's gnashing and gnawing at this gag that is in his mouth and is not moving. And there's an element of, buddy, if you just accept that, you won't hurt yourself further, right? And then there's yeah. the element of, no, I have to keep fighting because this is unacceptable, right? And oh, ooh, I'm getting chills. There's so much going on here. Uh, <laughs> your thoughts on this moment? So I really don't, I, I agree with you there that acceptance can be very problematic. And with, with this case, I do feel like Soren shouldn't really accept the fact that he is currently tied up because I mean, I've always been, <laughs> I'm bringing this to elementary school. I've always learned that, oh. like as a kid, if you get kidnapped, fight, <laughs> if you yeah. get tied up, fight him. Uh, but the thing with Soren is I feel like this is a bit less of a, oh my gosh, I've been like tied up and stuff. It's just like, holy crap, Claudia's here. She's tied me up. Uh, what is she doing? I need to stop her. I feel like it's a bit more of a, more of a mental block than him wanting to get out physically. He's just like wanting to get out so he can try to stop Claudia from whatever she's doing. No, I think that's, I, and I think that plays a huge role and it's, and it's hard because I could also hear the argument of no he should stop trying to get away because he's hurting himself and he's only making it worse right and there is like a almost a, an ethical moral argument here around what one should do around accepting one's current state or the state of the world in this case it, it's it's a really interesting tenuous argument that I like I'm really struggling with so it's really just fascinating we, about we absolutely see like where acceptance can be bad with the state of the world right now like I not I'm not gonna say anything specifically because I'm not gonna get political here uh, no worries. but like a lot of stuff going on in the world right now I'm sitting here just like I cannot accept that this is happening to people right now because this is so screwed up yeah yeah well, and and it's, uh, yeah I mean, I, oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that part of what that does and what what is being stated in that and implied in that is the idea of things like protests things like voting things like calling your senator about all of the various bills and laws that are trying to be passed into law that one could voice uh, use their voice against 
instead of just accepting, well, this is the way of the world. No, yeah. <laughs> you have sadly, a you sadly, a I feel like some of those senators and some of those people have accepted that this is the way the world is. And it sucks because exactly. if the people in power believe that, then we yes. really are stuck. I said we weren't, I said I wasn't going to get political. <laughs> Whoops. It, I mean, we can't not. I think that this is a political conversation. I don't think we need to be explicitly like this bill, but yeah. I do think that like <laughs> this is a political conversation and fiction is political, right? Oh gosh, the Dragon Prince is very political. Let's talk about how the Dragon Prince is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Who do you but, think they're voted for? I'm kidding. <laughs> right? If, but I would maybe I wish some of them were in the United States. Uh, oh gosh, can we make Ezra our president? Yeah, that'd be great. I, I'm here for it. <laughs> let the 12 year old um, let the 12 year old be our president. Please. I would accept. <laughs> I would accept too. No, Opelli needs to be our president. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> Opelli would, would get stuff like, done. Yeah, I while I agree, I think that'd cause more friction than Ezrin. <laughs> well, that's the thing though. Opelli would actually get stuff done. Yeah. Ezra would just be like, can't we be friends? Yeah, literally, I think most of the people on that show would be better than our current options yeah no, I, I either either side i'm just sitting here just like can we just not <laughs> yeah. yeah can we get someone below the age of 50 ideally um so what's a moment of acceptance that you want to turn towards in this reflection um well we were talking about how i'm, I'm sticking with the beginning actually uh, when you discussed how accepting things uh may not always be the best idea Soren also brings up that, uh, I'm quoting the story here, someone out there were his friends, his duty, his king. Soren's not accepting that he's been captured because he's just like, where are my friends? Uh, They could be hurt. There's dragons around here. There's the Drake riders around here. Because, I mean, in episode six, uh, Soren was was captured by the Drake riders. Yes, yes. And Or no, not episode six. No, it was episode six. It was um, six. Yeah. It was six. Yeah. Episode seven was where he came out on um, the dragon was just like, hey, guys, I found a dragon. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I just casually tamed a dragon. In my PJs. Yeah. In my pajama jams. My pink pajama jams. Uh, but he hadn't seen he hadn't seen them in at least a day at that point. Yeah. Because he had been he had been captured, then he tamed the dragon, and he was wandering around for the day looking for them. And he was just like, "Hey, where are you guys? I found yeah. this dragon. I adopted this dragon." Well, and I think what that speaks to is something really interesting, right? So Soren has uh, been put in a position where he has been captured before, and mm-hmm. he has resisted. He has not accepted that. In other words. He never yeah. really has. I think the o- the only time that I saw him accept being captured was season three with the bread sandwich. Yeah. But well, that was because he felt he deserved to be captured. Mm, he didn't yeah, feel he deserved to be captured role. here. Yeah, well, and I think this this element of Soren has a history to fall back on of every time I've been captured, I've been able to escape. Or... I didn't because I didn't feel like I deserved it, right? Yeah. In this, well, case, he managed to escape that time, but it was because Viren. But even so, right? He's been able to get out consistently, yeah. and so this moment is 
what we're seeing is him not accepting it, right? We see a couple paragraphs in, he tries again to get out of the gag, right? He fails again, and he has to accept things more than once. Like he he stops trying to, to get out for a second, and then he tries again. And there's this really interesting... Um, when I, when I think about studies, this, there's, uh, we're going to get a little, uh, sad for a second. We're going to talk about dogs. Um, there oh. was a study that was performed on dogs and, uh, what the scientists did was they, uh, electrocuted them essentially. Uh, oh, no. there was a shock, uh, where their cage and the first time it happened, the dogs vehemently tried to escape. And eventually they accepted. I've read that study before. And eventually, long term, the, the door was just wide open and they just kept on taking the shock because they yeah. had, quote, learned helplessness. And we see it's... the opposite in Soren, right? Where he is, he has learned uh, to not accept things because he has learned that he has the capacity and agency to make a difference. Whereas for a lot of people, the opposite is true. And it's not just dogs, right? It is. This no, is- it's with people. There's it's I, I mean, just with with how I'm going to just bring a bullying culture. So many people are just like, oh, well, if you ignore them, they'll stop. No, they don't. Yeah. yeah. If you don't give them a reaction, they'll stop. No, they won't. Yeah. Not giving them a reaction just makes them think, oh, they've accepted that I can torment them now. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good type of acceptance. That's just laying down and taking it. That's not accepting. That's just letting people hurt you, walk over, over you. The difference though, is I, I feel like culturally what happens is people will assign moral value to just taking it, so to speak. Like you're yeah, the they're just person. like, oh, you're so strong for you're, letting yourself get yeah, hurt. Exactly. You're so brave. And in reality, you're just like, cool, I'm brave, but also my brain hurts, my mental also, health. What we're doing when we do that is we're conditioning people to sit and take it. We're exactly. conditioning people to, you know, it's in in another word, it's a type of grooming right? Mm -hmm. For the socio-capitalist society that we live in, in which (laughs) everybody run, the right right people are coming. (laughs) But if we we said grooming, but if we can condition the entire culture to sit and take it, they're not going to call their senator when a a law comes up that is really tough that they don't like, that doesn't hurt them, but it hurts their friend. Like, why would I call? This is a learned helplessness deal, right? It's sadly the world we live in just People have been so conditioned to just be like, well, it's not affecting me specifically. Yeah. But then it does in the end affect them specifically. That's something that um, that's something that I've seen a lot with uh, the trans bills that have been getting passed. A lot of a lot of uh, LGB plus people without the T. I'm not saying that that is a good thing at all. Um, They're just like, well, it doesn't affect me. And now there have been a lot more anti-LGBTQ plus as a whole bills coming out. And they're just, and we're just like, we told you this would affect you in the end. 
it it doesn't matter. It, it starts off with one thing and then it leads on and on and on. And if you just lay down and, ex- and say, oh, I accept this happening, it's going to keep getting worse. I mean, yeah, super dark example. That is how the Holocaust happened. I mean, listen, if you look at the stages of genocide, we're pretty we're far along eight. in the United States. So we're at stage eight of 10. Yeah. uh, And I I don't say that lightly. I think that's something that we should actively resist. And what what can we learn? Let's 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 go back into this reflection for a second and see what are the moments that we can learn around resistance and see if there's anything that we can do in terms of grappling with what is being accepted or not in this. Um, And one of the things that I find really interesting and as a moment is with Viren. Um, so Soren, you know, Viren comes over to help. He comes over and he helps Soren breathe and Soren tells him to go. And <laughs> Viren's like, what else would you have me do? And he just tells him to go. And he says, if that is your wish. And there's an element of acceptance here that I think parents often grapple with with their children is when children have the autonomy and the agency to make their own decisions and it's like I'm here helping you and I want to do what's best for you but if you don't want me here then I need to accept that you're the one in charge of your body and you're in charge of your self and I'm no longer that person um but it's really hard and that's a complex moment too so I'm I'm curious what are your thoughts on this moment I mean this is like the moment with Soren fully accepting that one Viren is back and two Soren is just fully accepted that he no matter what he just doesn't want a relationship with Viren anymore it's there's been Viren has hurt him too much for Soren to want that relationship anymore because I mean we saw we saw in seasons one through three how Viren treated Soren and I'm I'm not going to say that he was knowingly abusive because there are some times where people have just been taught for so long that something is normal and they don't realize that it's abusive. So I'm not going to say like, oh, Viren knew that he was abusing Soren. He could have known. I'm not going to give him the full benefit of the doubt. But like Viren was emotionally abusive to Soren. That's the long and short of it. Seasons one through three, right? Um, yeah, in season four, I mean, we saw in season four, they don't talk and neither do they in season five, but we see in the season five flashback with baby Soren mm. that that wasn't always the way things were. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like one of the main reasons for that change in how Soren was treated was because Viren couldn't accept that Soren was a sickly kid. I, we don't, because I mean, like yeah. Soren. I, I mean, we got we got the uh, Avengers Infinity War moment in the episode, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Viren, I don't feel so good. But spoiler uh, alert, <laughs> <laughs> baby Soren dies. Um, but. Viren never really accepted that Soren was sick and he resorted to dark magic. Yeah. 
I don't know. So I, I think I have a different thought on that and feel free to push back or tell me to shove it. But <laughs> the, the it, it feels like it's not an, a lack of acceptance for Soren's sickliness. It, it feels like it's more a, I guess it is like he is not accepting that it's. He's I not think- accepting that he could lose him. That, I think that's what it is. That's what I was mainly referring to. Cause we yeah. see that he, he uses so much dark magic that he goes, I'm uh, quoting the child on this one. Uh, he goes zombie mode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Soren, that's, that was what caused their relationship to fracture in the first place. Soren was so afraid of dark magic Viren yeah. that he wouldn't be around him. And that's what fractured their relationship in the first place. Yeah, and it's really hard because, like, that was Viren's expression of doing everything he knew possible to do to actively resist Soren dying. (laughs) He, Uh, I mean, Viren said it so many times in season five, I will do anything for my family, however dangerous, however vile. The thing is, and we see this with him and with, we see this with him in seasons one through three mainly and with Claudia now, they don't accept things. They don't. That is, that is the biggest thing with the two of them. They don't accept the way yeah. the world is. They're just like, if I keep trying, I yeah. can make this happen through pure, and- I'm not going to say delusion, but I'm, they're just like through pure, just doing everything I can. Soren realizes that in seasons two and three, I think he first starts really realizing it with, um, with Pira, the dragon. Yeah. Cause he's just like, Oh, I can't just brute force my way to killing this dragon because when I tried to do that, I got paralyzed. Yeah. And it is this the dark side of acceptance, right? Or rather the dark side of resisting acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. On, on one hand, we've talked about how, acceptance is unacceptable (laughs) when it comes to certain things, but also we're seeing the opposite of that when acceptance and resisting it is taken to extreme with Viren and Claudia, right? And I, I think what happens is for me, the difference there is Viren and Claudia, when they are resisting acceptance, they are uh, putting their version of the world onto everyone else. And it is a uh, ideology that has been applied and presumed to be universal. And that is what Claudia and Viren were doing. That's what Viren did all through seasons one through three. It's what Claudia has been doing since then. And the difference though is when we resist acceptance in the perhaps more positive way, what we're doing is we're resisting other people putting their ideology into a universal format. Um, When someone presumes that their way is the only way and the best way for everyone, we should resist this. But when it is you trying to turn everyone into your version it feels like that should be resisted, right? Like, isn't that, yeah. does that, is that tracking? That's no, it is. A little um, I mean, there's another huge example of learning the good ways of acceptance that I see in the show itself. And that's with Rayla. 
because mm. Rayla at the beginning of the show, she is just like, this is the way the world is. Uh, we have to like, they killed the king, right? They killed the dragon king. We have to go and kill their king. She learns uh, through mainly Callum and Ezra that that's just continuing the cycle of violence. Yep. And she begins to accept that this way that I've been taught isn't healthy. Yeah. And she kind of, she ends up falling back into accepting that old way in through the moon when she leaves and she seasons four and five, she's really trying to accept. She's really trying to accept that the way she's been taught as a kid, isn't the best way. And we really see that in season five where she's just like, listen, here are my parents. They are not what's important right now. The world is ending. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's what's so really, in- I mean. Mm. We see that with a lot of characters because Ezra's yeah. also had to accept like, oh, I can't just make the world peaceful. Pe- yeah. Some people don't want the world to be peaceful. They like the way they've accepted the way the world is now and they don't want to see that change. Yeah. I mean, and we see him learning that. Right. And it's just really neat. I guess that still brings me back to this moment with Viren, right? Like with, and with Soren, like if that is your wish. And Viren, it seems like got to the height of I'm exacting my will on the world and is now coming off of that. Whereas Claudia has taken, taken where Viren was and says, we're going to double down and go harder. Yeah, Viren, Viren, uh, Viren dug a hole and he's trying to climb out of it. And Claudia jumped in and is just like, I got a bulldozer. Let's keep digging. Yeah. And I think what we see here is that this uh, Viren don't dig. Well, yeah, but um, Viren um, say like listening to Soren and walking away is a, an act of kindness and it is not enough, right. To be forgiven. Right. Um, But I think what, viewers uh, uh and especially viren stands are doing is really seeing this and his continued trajectory as a hard redemption arc right where it, it, he, they're they're trying to use his acceptance of the world now as a means of redeeming his uh prior uh you know atrocities yeah. Um, there's there's something I always say when it comes to villains that people believe are going to get a redemption arc. There is a difference between being redeemed and being forgiven. Yes. At the end of season three, Soren was redeemed and forgiven. And uh, at the end of season five, I'd say that Viren was redeemed, but he's not forgiven. No, I mean, he is nowhere near forgiven. He killed so many people. He hurt so many people. There is no, uh, I mean, if I were in that situation, I feel like the only one who has even the slightest chance of forgiving him is Ezrin because he's Ezrin. Because it's, yeah. Because it's Ezrin. Ezrin would, somebody could slap Ezrin in the face and he'd just be like, I forgive you because he's a sweet, (laughs) sweet boy. But I, that's the thing. Soren, Soren was redeemed and Viren were both redeemed. The difference between the two of them is uh, Soren was forgiven by people. 
they accepted that he has made those mistakes. Yeah. With Viren, you can't just accept those mistakes that he's made. Yeah. He's gone. We love you. Yeah, you can't just, Viren can't just go back and it's just like, hey, I tried committing mass genocide. Can I join your group? I mean, mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like Zuko in Avatar. Mm. He was he was redeemed and forgiven, but if Fire Lord Ozai was just like, "Hey, yeah, I'm a good guy now," people would just be like, "Cool, go away, yeah, get away you, from us." You are still not welcome. You committed genocide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it's hard too because, like, you know, people keep on asking for uh, an Iroh redemption arc just to stay on that for linger on that for a minute, and it's the same thing where like we've forgiven Iroh because we haven't seen his war crimes right the yeah no he's he, he has committed war crimes that's confirmed yeah so thinking about like I I am I don't want to it's too much there's too much to dive into around <laughs> we're going to the avatar now <laughs> thinking about forgiveness generally speaking forgiveness is such a big word that it like, really is so much context and uh, anyway i i digress we're not that we're not talking about that we're talking about yeah. acceptance so <laughs> acceptance and acceptance and forgiveness forgiveness i feel when it comes to people at least you can accept what people have done but not forgive them that's yeah. that's how that's what i mean with the you can be redeemed but not forgiven if you are redeemed people have accepted that you have done bad things and they have accepted that you are have changed but that doesn't mean that they have to forgive you. Yeah. There's, and uh-huh. I feel like they've done that with Soren, but I mean, they don't know that Viren has uh, gone against Erebos uh, in order to save their child. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I love Sparklebuff. He's I'm going to, I'm going to toss it to you. Uh, if there's any other moments in this um, reflection that we want to make sure we touch on before we transition. Um, well, something that I honestly want to bring up is Soren's panic attack. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. We should talk. We have about not that. talked about Soren's <laughs> panic attack. Um, for starters, I think it's written very well as a person who suffers from major panic attacks. Uh, I think it's written very well. Uh, both, uh, both, blah, blah both just how Soren is feeling in that moment and also connecting it to when he was a child and he wasn't able to breathe as well because of his illness. Yeah. Um, I think it's written very well, but I also, I feel like that Viren, uh, Viren helping him the way that Viren helped him was very well too, was done very well too. Um, they, they write panic attacks very well in the show. That's a, (laughs) Animated shows need to stop writing panic attacks so well, or else I'm gonna I'm gonna keep relating to them. I'm specifically looking at the Dragon Prince and Ruby. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm thinking about you know, I, I there it is not explicitly named as a panic attack. And it's very much treated like one. It is ab- yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm I'm thinking about how it was portrayed in season four with Viren, and I'm seeing it now with Soren, and I am really impressed. This is meta 
but really impressed with the way the writers and with the the team generally speaking has treated this um, i mean uh jason he voiced uh Viren so well and ben did so great so with good. terry helping him in it yeah i like i remember watching that and i like i rewound and like i want to watch that again like just that scene just because it was yeah. done so well yeah i mean i personally i don't pass out during my panic attacks i uh i more so just uh I don't physically pass out mentally. I'm just like gone, but you see that you see that side more with Soren because he like, he like flashes back to when he was a child in that moment. Yeah. And Viren comes and helps him. I feel like hmm, I'm trying to word this in a good way. Uh, (laughs) uh, Words, English. Love it. Well, one of the things that comes up for me about this is it is more difficult to experience bodily calm and acceptance when there is a mental or emotional trigger. Yeah. And what we see is that Soren is experiencing not just a shock of seeing his father alive when he thought him dead, right? That alone is enough to cause most people... <laughs> Oh, most people would just be like, even if they love their parent, they would just, well, not love. Soren still loves Viren, but like, even if they had a good relationship with their parent, they would just be like, what the? But, but one of the things that comes up for me also is I've been, uh, my work and my school for the past three years has been focused on, on trauma (laughs) Uh, and uh, Uh, psychology. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking about what like Sora, Soren is experiencing, Sora. yeah, sorry, uh, experiencing In this. I loved it. It was so good. Um, this panic attack, I think is partly a reflection of the trauma that he has experienced here. Absolutely. Um, not only, and- not only with like him seeing Viren alive, but him seeing the person who, because the last time he saw Viren, he stabbed the man. Exactly. Exactly. He's hearing Claudia's voice again and again in this reflection. How could you? How could you? How could you? You, you on repeat. And like, even if he was fake, because Soren knew that that Viren was fake. He knew that it was Rayla who, in the end, killed Viren. The last time he saw his father's face, it was him dying at his own hand. Mm. Even if it wasn't real. It looked real. It felt real. And to Soren, it was real. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because the thing with panic attacks is panic attacks can happen to the people who you least expect it to happen to. People see me in my day-to-day life and they wouldn't suspect that I have panic attacks as often as I do. Yeah. They wouldn't suspect that I have to keep a medication in my bag in case I have a panic attack. Yep. That's you look at Soren, and if you looked at the main four in the Dragon Prince, Soren would be the last person you expected to go through yeah. panic attacks. And I think I, I, I think connotatively, I think you're right. I think most people would agree. And I think what you start to see is often it's the people who are most. Um, <laughs> like happy-go-lucky who are most um 
heart on their sleeve who are most like, oh, they're having a, like, it's the Robin Williamses. It's the people who are outwardly and effusively happy and make people laugh, the comedians, so to speak. It's masking. It's it's masking. It is. And we see Soren do it a lot. Oh Uh, gosh, no, that's Soren's, Soren lets his mask down occasionally. Yeah. All of all of the characters, we see them mainly in seasons four and five with uh, the others, but all of the characters have that mask. Absolutely. And really, with the main four, at least, they all have that mask. The only time we really see them let down that mask at all is with each other. Mm-hmm. The, the four of them, they're they're adopt they're they're basically siblings at this point like yeah. i mean two of them are actually siblings and i'm not going to call Callum and rayla siblings for very obvious reasons <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh no don't even uh-huh. let me get started with why the veer and his Callum's father theory would be stupid because of claudia um yeah yeah that'd be a luke and leia situation there it would <laughs> oh gosh yeah yeah <laughs> oh gosh no when when Erva said your other child I legit just went no 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 yeah my my jaw dropped I was like no <laughs> they aren't doing this no yeah uh yeah and then I was like oh, okay. okay yeah we're just like oh, oh thank god it's the thank god it's the caterpillar yeah <laughs> thank Amazing. god it's the non-human yeah but oh. <laughs> thank god it wasn't a human yeah amazing but- okay so We've had an incredible conversation. There has been so much, like a lot of different turns that we took here that kind of left us with all the all the questions and all the wonderings, and we got to talk about all of our favorites. So I'm going to transition us into gratitude and yeah. thinking about who we're grateful for in from our conversation. Who are we grateful for from this reflection, from our conversation, and why? Well, um, I feel like I have two characters that I want to bring up. One's one's uh, from the story and the other is one that we've discussed some, but uh, I just really want to bring this character up because I love him. Um, from the story, Soren really is yeah. who I'm grateful for with this story because Soren's story just throughout the show, when we started with Soren, he was just, he was the muscle, he was the muscle brainless guy. He yep. was a comic relief. He was just, you know, he was, he was there to be the brawn to Claudia's brains is yep. basically it because they were Claudia and Soren were originally one character. They were split into two. I did not know that. that. Yeah. That was a, that was confirmed a long time ago. I, I think Aaron confirmed that one. But yeah, Soren and Claudia were originally one character. They were split because they wanted to have that. Uh, oh gosh, contrast. They wanted to have that contrast. Yeah. So um, Soren has grown just so much. And one of the reasons why he was able to grow so much was because of acceptance. Uh, he accepted that he has done so much wrong. He's accepted that. Viren is not a good person and that Claudia is going down a very dark path in season four we do see him try to stray Claudia from that path but by the end of season four he has basically fully accepted that his sister is not coming back to she is too obsessed with her 
she's obsessed with what she feels she needs to fix. She has not accepted the world around her and you can't force somebody to accept things, sadly. Yeah. A you, lost child, if you will. Hey. Um, and I mean, we see that in seasons four and five. Soren has, with Soren, like fully accepting that he is who he is and that's okay. Soren really comes out of his shell. He's he's still a funny muscle guy, but at the same time, like he's the therapist of the group. Yeah. He, yeah. he talks through, he... I mean, we see a great example of that in seasons four and five. In season four, he talks to Rayla about Callum and is just like, yeah, it's weird that you're back, but I know you two still care about each other. Yeah. And season five with Elmer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it weren't for Soren, I don't think they would have survived Finnegan's ship. Yeah, amazing. But, so um, you mentioned the, two. So you, you yeah, have the other character that I want to bring up. Uh, no no duh i'm bringing her up but rayla obviously obviously she's she's the best it's her on the day that we're recording it's her birthday uh happy birthday you all know you all know that it's july 31st yeah it's july 31st on the day we're recording this but rayla also has had to go through so much acceptance i talked about it earlier but she has had to accept that the way she's been taught just isn't the way that the world around her truly works. And that's how I've had to go throughout my life. Cause I brought up before I was raised in a really conservative area. And I'm going to be honest when I was 12, 13 years old, I on that scale, I was not where I am now. Uh, Nowadays I'm just fully nurturing but back then, I I would say I was about that acceptance. Uh, I was about there at acceptance. She was, Rayla was even, if, if that scale was like a thing for humans, Rayla would be all the way at the end. Yeah. But yeah, she's, she's learned to accept just through, through her friends, through her experiences that the world, the way she's been taught it, yeah, it's the way the world is, but that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. Because I think the main, I think the biggest part of her learning that acceptance was her getting ghosted. Yeah. Yeah. Because she just, she had been taught all this for so long, but then she saw that it was used to cast her out. And she was just like, this isn't okay. You can't just abandon people when they don't do what you want to do. And the difference is with Soren and Rayla, though, Soren, like with his acceptance, he's fully accepted it and he's never really gone back. Rayla has gone back because Rayla has been taught this way for so long that she has had to go, she has like gone back into her old ways before we saw that with through the moon. We saw that in escape from Umbertor, but she's trying. And that's a really good thing with her. Cause I relate to Rayla's story a lot. Cause with me, I've accepted that a lot of really bad things in my life, but sometimes I still slip back into the way that I used to be. And the main thing is, is that both of us were trying to be that person that we know we're supposed to be where we've we accepted the world around us. But, yeah. you know, there's everybody messes up sometimes. And yeah. for me, it's I have a breakdown for Rayla's case. She leaves her boyfriend for two years. Two years. Amazing. OK. Love her to death. <laughs> we are grateful for Rayla. We're grateful for Soren. I am specifically grateful to Viren in this story for him walking away from Soren. 
I think yeah. that him saying as you wish and walking away is one of I, I really need them the to have an actual conversation in season six if Viren's yeah. still alive we shall see <laughs> did um, Viren just die you know it was really unclear you know it was unclear but yeah. that us more, to the more end. baby sword in season six too yeah we'll see uh, <laughs> So that brings us to the end. I'd love for you to share out any handles or websites or contact information if you want to be contacted by any listeners. Yeah. Uh, well, hi, everybody. My name is Avery Marie. You can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle A-V-E underscore R underscore I-E. It's all, it's all one word, no spaces. Um, I post cosplay, I post reactions, I post, uh, I post gaming content, I post silly little videos. I'm doing my best to get my Dragon Prince season four and five reactions up. They are currently in copyright jail. So YouTube is so much fun. I'm planning on making some Dragon Prince, uh, essay videos in the future. And I'm also planning on making some music in the future, including a song that I am writing based on Callum and Rayla. So uh, thank you so much for listening and having me. And I hope I can see you on my own stuff soon. And hopefully I'm going to be starting my own TDP podcast eventually. <laughs> I was here to steal your ideas. Yeah, no worries. Amazing. <laughs> you all heard Avery here, folks. Check out all of their things. Check out all of the websites and all the cool things that are happening. Definitely like all of their posts. Uh, you can also find us at BNB underscore pod on all of those things as well. We would love to interact with you. Uh, sometimes we don't post very often, but that doesn't mean we're not there. So if you tweet at us, we will respond. Or if you're always watching, we will hang out with you and we're happy to have a conversation. Uh, the best place to find us quickly is on our Patreon though, BNB underscore pod at patreon.com we'd love to have you join us there we have monthly live episodes where we're tackling currently uh season two of avatar the last airbender uh we have appa's lost days is our next oh that's episode. gonna hurt yeah we just finished give the man uh, your money for depression that's what i'm saying we're gonna have a great conversation we'd love to have you um and without further ado, this has been another episode of the Dragon Pod. Avery, thank you. Thank and you for having me. For everyone else, thank you for listening. Until next time, be well and do good. Love y'all. Bye.